0: Hey Zach! Hi Bill! We're back for episode two of
1: Grodio. I'm impressed we made it to episode two. I it, think that's a
0: good sign. We we, we have we have doubled our uh, our our episode output.
1: yeah i don't know if we'll really be able to 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 continue uh that that rate of growth but you you never know well we got you know if
0: we go for a month we'll be able to do it again after that it's just going to be you know it's it's going to start getting um we're we're just gonna have to be more and more ambitious but i think we can do it oh yeah uh, although I, i don't know i i think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to try to and this this will come into play uh later but um define the parameters of gravel we may have to have this like existential what is gravel like you know if we if we if we go out to like iceman
1: Ooh. I you know i've it's funny i've i've long thought about covering events like that because i look at stuff like iceman Schwamigan. mm-hmm uh I, one that i want to do is order shore up in the up uh lots of 99er like a lot of those are very similar i mean yeah they're on mountain bikes but they they seem like they have a similar vibe uh similar you know vibe and approach yeah. to gravel racing i, so, I don't think
0: because i don't think that as much as the bike industry the evil let me just preface or does that just go without saying the evil bike industry uh created gravel so they could sell everybody more bikes (laughs) that they created this sport and no one had ever done anything before the bike evil bike industry created this discipline so they could sell you another bike despite that i don't know if if this is and this will get into probably what we're talking about for uh dirty kanza but i don't know if gravel necessarily is 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 bike specific it's kind of ride what you brought, right?
1: Well, I think that was the original appeal of it uh, for people in our neck of the woods, cyclocross. It was just kind of like, hey, take your cyclocross bike. Maybe you get some, some bigger tires, hope that they're tubeless, and you go race that way. Um, you know. But obviously, that's been changing in recent years. We're seeing gravel-specific bikes. But you go to any event, especially local ones. I think local ones you'll just see all kinds of bikes. Yeah, I think you'll see a lot of mountain
0: bikes, fat bikes. Yep. Anything. That was the whole, like even, you know, we talked uh, on episode one a little bit about um, Hilly Billy, Roubaix, and the Ultra Cross series. And one of the, One of the things I know that uh, Hilly Billy Roubaix started doing because they really wanted people, they really, really, really wanted to be a endurance cyclocross race. That's kind of how they were selling Mm -hmm. it. But it ended up being that the people who showed up on mountain bikes were winning. (laughs) So, So then they even went as far as to have like a prize for first cyclocross bike to finish.
1: I mean that's not too surprising, right? Because with like the UCI tire rules they set an upper limit in terms of what you're allowed to run because if people could they'd probably would be running like 40s.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh in UCI cycle cross races because that extra volume certainly helps and you know obviously at Dirty Kansas <laughs> we'll probably get to it, but having that extra volume uh in your tires certainly helped as well, if not some suspension.
0: Yeah, and then you uh, get the is... com- you get the complete opposite where the uh at the fat tire crits for the epic ride series or as i like to call them the not so fat tire crits mm-hmm. there is an there is a floor so that they have you know how we have our UCI jigs at the at the start line to make sure that your tires are not wider than 33 they have one that is thirty-eight millimeters that has to get stuck on your tire.
1: <laughs> I call it the Bizarro UCI <laughs> tire check. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so you can't have your 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 tires can't be too skinny because that, that would be the advantage there.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It's uh it's interesting, and I know it's something that people get really into. I just talk just got off the phone with uh Jim. Who won the uh, DKXL, the three hundred and fifty mile DKXL? And he was, Good you know, he was going Lord. on for ten minutes, geeking out about his tire choices and what he runs and stuff. So, I think it actually, you know, cyclocross people, I think, are empathetic to it as well because there are just there's like infinitely more equipment choices you can make, and I think that makes it really fun for a lot of people.
0: Nice, yeah. Scott Deanbach and I just on a, um, a cyclocross radio just uh, talked to Lucas, who won the uh, high school. Oh, excellent! Yeah,
1: Yeah. Mister Steerwalt. Yep, it's good to see him repping for the uh, the cyclocross community for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, again, we're getting the DK coverage up and down the wide-angle podium.
1: I like it. Everybody's jumping
0: on the bandwagon.
1: (laughs) I guess it kind of is. You know, it's funny. I look at uh, it; just seems like DK is is one of. It seems to me to be like one of the most prestigious races in the U.S. and at least. In the social media realm, it's might be the one that people talk about the most?
0: Question mark. I think so. I mean, yeah, for sure. Especially now, it seems like it's it is the it's at the, at the top of the heap. Um, it'll be interesting to see what follows. I think you and I both would agree that hopefully, in the future. Um, DK and Lost and Found can find different weekends to be on. Yeah, you know, they've
1: they've done that for the last few years too. That they've been
0: on the same? Uh,
1: yeah, because it's always kinda like one or the other. And I know, like, for example, Michael Vandenham, Craig Ritchie, they did DK last year. And this year they're like, you know, it'd be maybe a little bit more fun and well, closer to home. <laughs> and so they went to to Lost and Found. Uh, instead and they're two totally different races though uh lost and found only 100 miles but much more climbing and dk the dk 200 is like it's a grind as uh, i think peter stetna called it he's like we're literally grinding right grinding gravel grinding
0: (laughs) (laughs) truly gravel grinding
1: yes yes that is how he described it so um yeah i'm impressed we've gotten this far without even like getting into talking about the dk should we should we kick it off yes and talk about the, the granddaddy uh, of all gravel races? Let's do it. All right, sweet. You're up. Oh, I'm going to start. Uh, well, well, I, I mean, here's to know. the thing,
0: is that you okay. were on the ground. You got to see this, this in person, and I want to know all about your experiences. But, I mean, for me, I, I got the, the um, ugly underbelly of the DK, where I, you know, was sitting here getting updates on um, Twitter from uh, Peter Flax is is a fascinating character just all the way around, but Mm -hmm. somebody who wanted to kind of, I don't know, he almost started, he likes poking fun at the controversies, but then he kind of fell in love with the race somewhere during the weekend, and he was like giving (laughs) the best. He was going in there. Screen capturing the live timing and then putting out updates. I mean, consistently throughout the day. So I was sort of going to him, which is just I just it's it's kind of funny how he he almost evolved over over the weekend and and was a great source for for updates on that. But then of course we also you know got arrow bars ad nauseum, potentially disc wheels, not disc brakes, but actual disc wheels in there that were maybe coming out and all of the other stuff on the ancillary of the actual racing and, um, you know, and which I want to get into. And I think we just should save like all the, all this other stuff for afterwards. But, you know, even, and even before that, I think when you were already out of, Cell range. I mean, my big question. You know, there was this whole controversy on the purity of gravel and all of this kind of stuff, and and uh, the the straw man that got built up around this race was that um, people, and this 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 was pretty much the quote: people are saying that the pros are ruining dirty Kanza. That's what you would hear over and over. So being the good journalist I am, I, I said, can somebody point me to just one person who is saying this? Just one. I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. hearing everybody saying that people are saying, but I want to know who that person is. Who is actually saying that the pros being in this race are ruining the event? And I, I couldn't find one.
1: Uh, that's an interesting place to start. So when I was doing, I did, I, I came through and I did the the rider preview, uh, and of course, you know, there was at least one you forgot about so and so, you yeah. know, which I guess is to be expected. But I pulled it off. But you know, just for the heck of it, I went and did a list of winners. I like history. I'm a history guy, and you know, I like the idea of who's the winningest rider in this race, uh, and so. Uh, There's two, Uh, it's Rebecca Rush and Dan Hughes, both have three wins. So Dan Hughes won in uh, like 11, 12 and 13. Uh, And so, you know, he was, he was the man back when the event was growing. Corey Godfrey's another one who runs Gravel Worlds. And so now they've moved on to do the DKXL, uh, you know, uh, the race has certainly gotten faster. You even have like Gary Hoswald won in 2015. And so I think like any event, I view it as an evolution. I mean, I think it's just it's it's an evolution, right? Like you used to be a, a Kansas gravel grinder. It was a lot slower. You could win than some other people. You know, you're a man some other people like, hey, this looks like fun. <laughs> and they got a little bit faster. And all of a sudden, the people who were winning before couldn't. Then some more fast people, you know, Ted King was a retired world tour pro Uh, more pros were doing it. It got faster. Uh, So I don't know. I think it's an evolution, you know, and I think it was inevitable uh, that world tour teams were going to look at it. Uh, I think they got, you know, uh, ultimately as an athlete, your job in a way is to provide value for their, your sponsor. And I can guarantee you that both Trek, Segafredo and EF education first got great value from having their athletes go to the event over the weekend. They, were interacting with fans, they were smiling, they were taking pictures, they hung out, you know, after the finish. Uh, you know, really embraced. It seems to me they really embraced the experience. Uh and they suffered. Yeah. Oh, did they suffer? <laughs> Cuz <'Cause> it's hard.
0: <laughs> yeah. So right, and they, they, they and you know, we we talked about it some last week as well, and I think part of the reason that I don't think this this criticism, if there actually is criticism, other than some people on twitter is that um, it's if you're an amateur racing this they have they are of no consequence to your enjoyment of the event they're they're not getting in your way they're not you know like taking any glory away from you everybody still gets to do their race and gets to try to you know do it the best they can and then there's that group up front which is also kind of fun to follow you know it sort of gives a way for everyone else to get involved it it really is the perfect situation in that it's good for those riders and it's good for their sponsors it's also good for the event in that it put a lot of eyeballs on the event and i know that there are people who are probably like this is something that i need to do now to 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 do this to do this race and here was the other just just I'm sort of emptying with. out all this from my mind, but the other mm-hmm. thing that I thought was great that I really didn't fully grasp that is pretty obvious yet pretty genius that they do is all of the different distances it makes it just has this built in incentive for somebody to come back. If you are doing the twenty-five mile this year, and you're like, "Okay, I done that. I can go do the fifty mile next year. I can work my way up to hundred mile. You know, maybe someday I'll be able to try the two hundred mile. You know, there's all of these little stepping stones. Yet at the same event, which I think is a pretty cool way to do it.
1: Can I, I guess, opinionate for a bit? Please. Uh, so I went to my first DK last year, right? And I think a like a lot of people, I'm like, "Oh, DK, like it's a big deal. Pretty cool, man. I." Fell in love with that event. It is incredible. Um, I, I, you know, one event that comes to mind that reminds me of the vibe was the uh, World Cup Waterloo this year, which you were at, and you can attest like it was a party. Uh, and I think what's really cool and why I think gravel is growing is because it is so inclusive. Uh, and we see, you know, there was the shadow world going on on Twitter, commenting on arrow bars and whatnot. Uh, but what gravel, you go to these events and it just really celebrates everyone doing something that's difficult for them. So if all you can do, if 25 miles is hard for you, you go do that. You have a great accomplishment. You know, if 50 is hard, that's your stretch goal. Do it, you know, for those of us who maybe can do a hundred, like the 200 becomes your stretch goal. And it just, it, it is like, it's a celebration of, I think what you see at like marathons, you just see everyone is so positive and it's so encouraging Uh, And that finish line is incredible. (laughs) I mean, everyone's finishing at the same time. I loved my finish line photo. You know, Colin Strickland is stepping down to hold his bike over his head. And there's some dude finishing right in front of him. And you know what? That's totally valid because every single person's finish at that race is important. You get a hug. You get a finisher's medal. Not a medal. It's like a little neck thing. Um, But it's just like, I don't know. Like, it just seems like there's, to me, there's, and maybe this is only in the online space, but there's so much negativity in cycling and there's none of it at this event. And so if you're wondering why gravel is growing and why people go back to the Dirty Kanza and why, you know, these events are sprouting up everywhere, that's why, like really from the ground level, that is why people are doing these races.
0: Yeah. And even, even to the, the, you know, the thing that, again, we talk about sponsors, we talk about interaction with the the outside world as well as people who are participating like chase to chase the thing that salsa cycles does is just it's great it's you know and you get these awesome pictures of this chase lounge out in the middle of nowhere everybody loves it i think there are people who probably do this event or any other events that they're at because of that you know that it's it's something that they know is going to come up Somewhere within within the race, and and yeah, I I think you're right. It just sort of goes along with that same vibe. My question for you is that, like marathons, have we gotten to the point now where people have snarky signs on on the on the side side of the road, like you're doing it for the T-shirt or whatever other marathon type signs uh, are out there?
1: No, we have. You know, I
0: didn't I didn't see any of
1: that. I think uh, the one I That's can remember is. Yeah, I mean, like, a lot needs to be said, and I guess this is, you know, something we could t- potentially touch on uh, later on, but a lot needs to be said about the c- the community of Emporia. Like, last year, I was just out in the middle of nowhere, Mile, whatever, 80-something, uh, and this woman comes out, and she's just like, oh, she has a sign. She's like, go so-and-so, and I'm like, oh, you know, friends. She's like, oh, no, they they stayed with me uh, this weekend, so I just wanted to come out and cheer them on. And I was like, oh, what? That's awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: like... You know, that's that's just, like, the kind of support the community provides. And I made a point this year, you know, they keep the finish open until, I think, midnight. And I made a point after getting results up and stuff to go back downtown uh, to the finish. And it was, you know, night. And there were still just hundreds, a thousand people just down there cheering people in, giving out high fives, you know. And this is six hours after Colin finished and four hours after Amity finished, you know. Uh, it was just so cool. It's yeah. so cool. Like, they've created something special and... Go once. I mean, the suffering's hard, and you. If you do the two hundred, I guarantee you'll say, "I'm never doing that again." Until it comes time to sign up the next year, and you'll you'll probably sign up and do it again.
0: <laughs> have you talked to anybody from the city just on economic impact or anything? I'm sure it's huge.
1: Uh, I not not like numbers wise. Uh, I ran into uh, they have like a Emporia Main Street director, uh, and I ran into him, uh, and I was like, "Oh, you're doing a great job." He's like, "Am I?" Uh, he looked really stressed <laughs> out. Um, <laughs> But no, I mean, they just, they embrace it like, uh, you know, the brewery was open at 8am on Sunday morning. Um, you know, they make sure <laughs> that everyone is, uh, has everything at their hands that they need to have a great time. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What is the, so some of, I guess the, um, oh, God, I, I, I it's not even crazy. So some of the noise I guess around this is people, especially when we were getting into this whole like gravel purity argument is that, you know, this is now a lifetime fitness product, you know, and it's the Garmin dirty cans. Uh, and uh, that's, I, I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. I couldn't, I couldn't really wrap my mind or, around why this was a, a bad thing i, I mean it, it seems like the type of the type of thing that in cycling that we're dying for for somebody to come in and actually put money behind events
1: can i i mean can i make a punk rock reference i know please i know you love it right i mean isn't that the same thing that happens in in punk rock yeah it's like oh we want to be big and make it and then you make it and everyone's like wait you made it yeah why'd you sell yeah. out yeah.
0: <laughs> Uh, you know I think Has it's interesting Gravel sold out there's the question
1: <laughs> You know I uh I would be curious I think uh you know and I think I, if Amanda Nauman's listening, I think she's the the yet yeah, undisclosed Grotio episode three guest. Yes. Um, <laughs> so she has a lot more experience with how this event has grown. But, you know, Jim Cummins, I think, has always kind of had and Leland Danes. I'm sorry. Jim Cummins is the co-founder and Leland's been involved for about the last six or seven years. Uh, you know, I think they've had like this good vision of of where this event can go. And so they, you know, they essentially created this grassroots event that turned into like the biggest thing in American cycling. Uh, And so they, I talked to them about that and they were kind of like, well, you know, uh, grassroots means different things. It doesn't mean small necessarily. And, you know, this year I was, I had my eye out to see if anything was different and it felt the exact same as last year. You know, Jim is there, Jim is there till Jim is at the finish line from like, you know, two until midnight, (laughs) Uh, you know, welcoming people home. There's someone folks welcoming people home. uh, Every finisher. So I don't know. I didn't necessarily see it. Uh, although I have heard um, there are rumblings that there are talks of moving the event, and that that would be uh, an impact that I think Lifetime would have. Um, really, like out of
0: Kansas or just out of Emporia or out of Emporia? Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't want
1: to start rumors. It's no, been out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people have d- talked about it. People told me about it when I was there. Um, so I guess it's a thing. Um, but. I don't know the source on that. So I think that would have a big impact. I think Emporia is such an essential part of, of the event um, just the way the community, right? Cause read anything that people talking about cyclists, they're like, cyclists are the worst. We hate cyclists. Please go away cyclists. And they're just like, no, please come to our city <laughs> and yep. we are going to embrace you wholeheartedly. You are so welcome uh, to join this community, be, to be a part of this community and to come have this event and, I don't know. I I think Emporia is like inextricably linked with the success of that event. Sure. In my opinion, yeah.
0: All right, let's get into some racing.
1: Okay. All right. Cool. Uh,
0: I I think we we do because we kind of touched on it. We have to start since this was all the, uh, the pre-race hype, which I kind of you know for one thing you know it's 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 this kind of overblown controversy the the whole aero bars. Part is what I'm talking about, but at the same yep. time, I think that uh, it 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 was like the the weigh in at a heavyweight fight, where <laughs> you know you need you need the guys in each other's faces, and one may take a swing at the other one, and it's all planned and it's all you know part of the show to make sure that people are paying attention. And and this sort of had, on one level, I think this had a little bit of that. You know, you had Jeff Kabush. Who really was the instigator here? Showing up in his, you know, his custom <laughs> skin suit with the <laughs> with the cut off shorts and the and the the the, the tank top T shirt that said Arrow what on it and but I I think and this is what I want to get your take on is that it 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 is an actual issue worth talking about and I think what everybody wanted to turn it into. Was that it's not in the spirit of the race to have aero bars, that you should just race on a normal drop bar bike, and that seems like an unnecessary advantage. I think Kabush's. Is- take on it really was more from the same reason we don't want arrow bars in the group ride or we don't want bar ends at a cyclocross race and that in these mass start events it's just they're it's dangerous if you're in a group and you crash and you have arrow bars it's dangerous you know we you know you can they those things are are like well honestly they started as bullhorns you know i mean that's kind of kind of what it is and you don't want that coming at you at high speeds if if you crash I wonder what your whole take on this um, issue slash controversy was or is.
1: I guess maybe I have uh, two different ways of looking at it. I think one, you know, Kabush's point, and he's not the only one who's made that point. But, you know, if you see the top riders saying, hey, I'm going to I need arrow bars for this event. I think there is danger when it trickles down into like the amateur, quote unquote, Peloton Like, I trust, you know, I trust the professionals. I trust the riders at the pointy end of the race to be able to make that decision. And I'm guessing, like, Kabush could probably, like, descend some gnarly, rocky terrain on aero bars if he wanted to, right? Like, you know, all of these uh, women and men are just excellent bike handlers. But yeah, I think it becomes uh, could become a problem. And I didn't necessarily hear stories, but you certainly saw a lot of the quote-unquote amateur riders uh, running aero bars, And, you know, you see someone doing it and you try doing it and you don't have that practice. uh, It can be dangerous. So I think that is kind of his point Uh, to this year's controversially controversy. Specifically, on Friday, it was like two or three in the afternoon. And I was running around, like talking to people and taking pictures of bikes and uh, I was talking to to Amity Rockwell, taking pictures of bikes, and Kabush rolls up, and so she's she's tight with him, and he just he he's like he has this like shit eating grin on his face. He's like, hey, "Man, I've really started some shit," my <laughs> <About> aero bars, <laughs> and I was like. Like, what with your because he was carrying a skin suit. I'm like, yeah, I'm with your skin suit. He's like, no, man, go on Twitter. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I kind of missed it. I think that it was intentional on his part, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, to kind of stir things up on Friday. And, um, you know, uh, either way, I, you know, I saw like Peter Stetner reacted and, mm-hmm. you know, Alex in a way, Alex I think reacted. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that's good in a way um, because it showed, you know, they want to be part of this community and they're trying to understand like how it goes. Right. Um, you know, I thought it was it was it was good. Uh, I wouldn't I myself would not take Kabush seriously. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I've seen his videos about, you know, training for cyclocross by chugging beers or whatever. So, uh, you know, if you know the guy, he's been around for a few years. Um Yeah i don't know and it it seemed like it was a point of pride i know i think lachlan morton was like oh we went one two in the non-arrow bar category so we're good it was (laughs) alex house i think (laughs) so i think i think over the course of of the interactions it seems like they all kind of embraced it and kind of made those decisions you know
0: yep yep so let's talk about a little bit about the race so we had what did we add we had um Howes, Alex Howes and Lachlan Morton and then um uh Taylor Finney all from EF. Yep. And Taylor kinda how what what happened to him? He just kinda seems like he disappeared pretty early. As I like to
1: say, the the cans of gods, i.e. The, the the gravel was not kind to his his sidewalls Oh, okay there were a lot of flat tires <laughs> like uh the uh the guy I just talked to on dkxl he was just like look just just embrace that you're gonna flat yeah embrace it um but yeah, you know finney flatted pretty early i think he went down there was this section from mile like 26 to 30 that was like super gnarly and that's when the whole group was still pretty close together and you may have seen the photo that uh photo will will matthews took of amanda Nowman sending it ahead of that section because she had kind of like anticipated that being in a group in that section was a really bad idea mm. uh and so uh people that i talked to who were a few minutes back they're like yeah we just saw like pros and podium contenders just strewn on the side of the road <sighs> fixing flats yeah. so Um, yeah he got he he got hit by flats
0: Uh, I'm looking at the results here can you what what does the what is the what does division mean in the results
1: Um, I think is it it might just be men and women It Uh, may also be age group they do five year age
0: groups okay okay Um, it's probably age group uh let's see yeah that makes sense that makes sense um wait house and morton are 19
1: that's not right is it are they i don't i'm i'm very i'm not a very good world tour knower
0: yeah i might be right yeah okay well then that would make sense because they were actually first and second in their division and then strickland and stetna who were both in their 30s were first and second
1: those old men yeah the, the old men in the 30s category <laughs> uh-huh. the 30 to
0: 34 <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, so and, again i was talking about like the three the three ef guys and you had Stetina and um uh kale Ryan to those two trek segafredo guys you know and then we you know we can't we can't leave out well i mean and then ted king do we just is he kind of honorary reti- ef retired is he uh- <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: i think he's on his own now he's very much retired he's he's left that behind
0: i, I don't know very much retired still uh, you know we'll get to the how the race paid out but still uh finishing in the top 10 is not 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 too bad but then you know we also had these other pretty like uh you know uh, upcoming pros out there. I mean the, the these guys are younger than I guess the the EF guys, but like Lance Hay, it was out there and um, uh, Gage Heck out there. Did you talk to so Gage uh, ended his ride early, but also coming back from the concussion, coming back from from you know it, it basically taking the road season off because he was forced off his bike. Did you talk to Gage at all? Uh, I did not. Okay, I didn't get a chance to to catch up with him. Um, but yeah, why don't you just go through what uh, what what sort of played out in the with this top group, and we'll start with the men, and then uh, head over to the women.
1: Sure. Uh, I think I last year it was kind of interesting to me hearing discussion of you know talking about teams and attacks and stuff like that. Uh, I think to me it was very instructive to understand how a gravel race typically plays out. Uh, and it's, it really is a war of attrition. You know, there's a lead group and more often than not, you want to be in that lead group and, you know, the pace will get set, folks will get popped off. And once you get popped off, like generally speaking, you're not coming back forward. So it was kind of interesting. Uh, I thought it was funny. Um, I told you I posted the uh, preview and uh, one of the, like, the one that I got was like, oh, you forgot about Christian Meyer. I was like, "Oh, I've I've no idea who that is because he hasn't really done any gravel events. But he's a former World Tour pro, and he just sent it from the get go. Oh, really? Like, when I saw him, <laughs> yeah. So when I saw him at mile twenty, he already had like a five minute gap on the rest of the field, Um and so I think it lasted. I mean, he held it through the first checkpoint, and then I'm assuming he flatted because he dropped back like super quick, but. It's really hard to solo for, for 200 miles right? Uh, at a gravel race like that, especially with so much firepower. To be fair, uh, Ashton Lambie did do it in the uh, 100. Mm. So <laughs> if you're Ashton Lambie in right. the 100, you can solo for a hundred miles. Yeah. So, you know, riders started popping off just one by one, whether it be flats, there were a lot of fats, like Kiel Reinen was way back. I think he flatted early and ended up finishing sixth, which is like, dude was like way back um but yeah so guys just up po- started popping off uh mile 85 uh i saw the group and i saw colin strickland i know him from gravel worlds last year he was dangling it turns out he had a flat so he flatted and had to catch back up um so yeah so it was down to i Chris, think it christian
0: was... meyer by the way ended up 97th
1: oh wow yeah uh, so, yeah. So I think it ended up at about a mile 100. You had maybe about 10 guys left in the lead group. You had uh, Lachlan Morton, Alex Howes, Peter Stetna, Eric Marcotte, former road race national champion was in there. Mm-hmm. Corey Wallace was in there. Ted King, Josh Berry, uh, I think was Noah Granigan from the the Floyd's team might have still been in that group. So, you know, you had some really strong, strong dudes uh, and colin strickland attacked <laughs> uh you know i saw him and i was like oh well that that's nice and you know i just kind of wonder uh, you know everyone was like uh, the guys that i talked to in the group were like well that's 100 miles out yeah nah there's no way
0: that's nah neat. that right there is the gravel racing the Grotio heat check
1: dude it was the ultimate Grotio heat check like, I don't think you could better define a heat check <laughs> than that attack. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you know, talking to Colin after the race, he's like, uh, he's like, well, I got the sense that everyone kind of sat up and they weren't going to chase me. And so I was going to go for it. And my God, he, he held a solo attack uh, for 100 miles. That's
0: just amazing. I can't believe it.
1: It's incredible. Like, what he pulled off
0: I, I can't i can't imagine racing the 200 miles to start with and then deciding at the halfway point this is it this is where i make my move it just yeah so i think what was funny uh, to me
1: i i went back and uh, did a twitter check after i got back to the the dorm on saturday night and it seems like a lot of the people on twitter were like colin strickland who's that and basically anyone who had ever seen him race was like hi i know him uh dude is strong you know brad Soner chimed in he's like dude's been murdering crits right i think he swept the fat hook crit series one year uh his other his other jam is fix secure crits yeah Uh, he's a red hook guy right yes he does red hook crits and he does gravel uh you know i saw him at gravel worlds he flatted at like mile 15 and so he rode like solo all the way back and ended up winning the race. Like he had, he was down by like ten minutes at the first checkpoint at Gravel Worlds last year, and he just tucked into his aero bars. And dude, I mean, he's strong. He's very strong, uh, and I think you know he showed that. Um, I think it also helped that he's from Texas. Uh, he was talking about how uh, he didn't crack, and I think mm, a lot of the yeah. a lot of the chasers cracked in the last thirty miles. Um, so maybe being from Texas helps.
0: The guy, I don't know. The, the the funny thing too is that you know we look at this and you think endurance sport, obviously. Colin Strickland built like a track racer. Yeah, like he's, he's a ripped. big dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude is he is ripped. I mean, he's, like, yeah, he's he's basically I think the 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 uh, pro tour guys could probably line up behind him and you wouldn't see them
1: yeah well you know he talked about this uh, I guess it's a forthcoming story that I have that I was working on this morning but he was like look if it was if it was at Belgian waffle like mm-hmm. no wait I'm beating Stetna like just because no of the climbs yeah too yeah. steep um but you know it was it was rollers uh, a lot of the climbing i would say was packed into i want to say like miles 65 to maybe around 120 yeah uh so it kind of went north and if you look at the terrain you can see it gets really hilly and the course like doubles in on itself uh but then it 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 got much flatter and much more rolling which i think is a lot of what we saw from last year's course and so you know i think that uh the power to weight ratio mattered a little less than mm-hmm. just sheer power and so,
0: I mean, Colin has a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, you had... Um, so Stetna uh, then a uh, really job there to stay ahead of the, the EF pair um, chasing him down.
1: Yeah, they had a flat. I think House okay. had a flat. Uh, House had flatted, and so they kind of like you know, Lachlan and Morton was kind of like, well, <laughs> uh, I'm not going anywhere without my teammate." So he kind of waited for him. Okay. Um, but there were huge gaps. You know, I caught him at mile 150 coming out of the second checkpoint. And if you look at the time splits, it was probably about mile 140. It just like it exploded. And it was just like one person. Yeah, one person, two people, one person one person, yeah so they look like the only,
0: <laughs> they looked like the only two well I, and then uh i guess carol ryan and josh berry ended up riding together and those like, at oh, the wait, end, they, though. oh
1: they were they were all those dudes were solo for a long i got time. you because they
0: met uh, ted king also coming in at the same time as those two so yeah yeah, yeah but you're yeah. right like i mean after that like payson McIlvain just kind of out there on his own in fifth place um this so signi- I have a question.
1: For, can I ask you a
0: question? Yes, please.
1: Uh, you know, I mean, you have a you have a longer history in in bike racing, and I guess skepticism is something that we're uh, is endemic uh, to us as fans. Saw some commentary that said, "Oh, well, who's Colin Strickland? He can't hold off World Tour pros." You know what what effect do you think like you know having quote unquote World Tour uh, well they are World Tour pros racing against other professionals and how that impacts how we view accomplishments? You know.
0: Yeah, but I think that this, these, they—they are world tour. It's they're world tour pros, but they're not. They, they none of those guys have done anything like this. They're not going out. Even the longest Giro stage isn't two hundred miles. You know, I mean, or yeah. or um, I guess I was more thinking like Milan San Remo, which is an insanely long one day classic. It's not two hundred miles, and it's on paved roads so this is new ground for them and and i think the the greatest or or the best description of a world tour rider or a professional cyclist you know that that european cyclist that i remember and i forget who said it, it was it was basically we're not necessarily faster than your best local pro, it's just that we can keep that same speed, that same top speed that they're doing for 120 miles. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 do it day after day. That's kind of the difference. So it's not like all of a sudden they're just going to turbo jet away from everyone. That's not the that's not the skill of a of a world tour racer. It's that they can just grind it out at a a pace that would leave you and i in the dust easily but they can (laughs) do that all day long so if you have somebody in here that is not all that is as you said uh, adapted to the heat is can put out a ton of power and is super strong i mean that's what it's going to take and look what look what colin strickland did i mean his time at 10:07 wouldn't that be close to to the to the record had it not been you know uh, the guy in front of him ba- uh, breaking 10 hours?
1: What was his speed?
0: Uh,
1: 19.89. Yeah, so Ted King set the new record last year by going 19.2.
0: Oh, yeah, so
1: um, you kind of have to, you kind of, in my opinion, you have to go by speed, which is what they did last for year, sure. just because the course changes every year. But yes, that would have shattered
0: so three, the, the old
1: speed record.
0: Yeah. And the three pro tour guys all did that. Lachlan Morton and Howes were both at 19.54, Stetna at 19.89. And Strickland did this freaking 20.19, <laughs> just this insane for 200 miles. He went over 20 miles per hour for 200 miles. I know. <laughs> I usually don't do that on my two-hour ride, I... <laughs> on paved roads.
1: I know. I know. It's it's pretty pretty incredible. Um, I think one thing that is that is interesting is uh, again, story coming out a profile of his bike, but he was talking about aero bars, and he's like, his point, his position is this: he's like, look, they're an advantage, and if the rules allow them, I'm going to use them. And so, you know, he said he tried to stay off him, but he flatted around mile 80 or so. And to catch up to the lead group, he went into the aero bars. Um, but he said he won't be using them next year because uh, he kind of didn't know where he stood uh, with respect to the field. Mm-hmm. And so he feels like he's strong enough that he doesn't need them next year. So nice. that's kind of interesting. Yeah, um,
0: he, should do you it know, but- his, he should do
1: it on his track bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You, you better... Oh, his, his fixie? Yeah. yeah. His fixie that he uses for the crits? Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, we'll have to talk I, to him. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder... There's got to be... I mean, if there hasn't been a finisher already, there's got to be some somebody out there who's doing this on a fixed gear bike. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't find a discipline that somebody's not trying. I will say, before we move over to the women, uh, yep. the um, aforementioned uh, Jeff Kabush finished overall in 14th place, won his division, first place. Oh, wow. He won the old old man. He won like (laughs) not the baby masters, like the the real
1: masters. (laughs) That's
0: right. Legit masters. Yeah. All right. right. So the Uh, women's race, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That
1: was a that was a banger. It really was. Uh there was a lot going on uh in the women's race. Um Yeah. So I think more so than the men's race, like flats ended up playing a huge role in how the women's race played out, uh, for better or worse. Um, you know, so we talked about, uh, some of the favorites, some of the more lesser known riders, I believe on the first episode of Grodio. But, um, when all of a sudden done, you had your first checkpoint at mile 65, it's a mass start. And so, you know, the women are interspersed uh, with the men. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, Amanda can speak to this more uh, next next time. But I think, you know, making sure you're in the right group does play a huge role for them.
0: Oh, for sure. You know, yeah.
1: if, like, for example, if, you know, your competitors hit a group and you miss by one wheel, you could be kind of stuck chasing, you know, two or three minutes early on just because you missed the group. And so it's a different dynamic. And I, I look forward to hearing her talk about that specifically. But early on, you had... Uh, it was Sarah Max, who is a relative newcomer. Uh, she put her name on the the map at Belgian Waffle. The gravel uh, characteristics thereof are <laughs> debatable. Um, but she had a great ride there. Amy Charity uh, is from the DNA uh, pro cycling team. Uh, and she's actually going to be helping put on a race later on this year. So she was up in the mix there. And then the third rider was Olivia Dillon, who I mentioned was someone that I definitely had my eye on. She crushed it out west last year. Uh beat Katarina Nash twice, mm. which uh Katarina Nash is pretty good. She won Lost mm-hmm. and Found this year, so pretty impressive uh from her. And then after that you had uh Kai, Takashita and Amanda Nauman and I'm trying to who think the other ride one other. Oh, and Amity, uh, Amity Rockwell were kind of in the next group. So that was kind of your split early on. Um, around, I'd say mile 90, uh, Olivia. Oh, Allison Tetrick. Cannot f- feel can't terrible for forget anybody. Uh, oh, no, you can't forget about <laughs> Allison. She's one of the biggest personalities in cycling and one of the best. Um, yeah, so they were. Uh, you know, Amy Charity was uh, was up in front. Uh, Sarah Max had a flat coming out of the checkpoint, so she dropped pretty far back. Amy Charity was in front, uh, but then she flatted. And so eventually, I'd say around a mile 100, Olivia Dillon took over the lead with Allison Tetrick in second. Uh, Amy was still in third, and then Amity had moved up to fourth. Uh, so this is kind of the the story of Amity Rockwell's race, you know, she started out eh, kind of far back. She was maybe around 10th, just slowly, slowly moving up, just picking off riders one by one. Uh, you know, uh, it's a 200 mile race. And so if you can you have the dirts to go that distance, it certainly pays off. Uh, I will say probably around like mile one, 120 or so. Like Olivia Dillon, like was taking control of the race. Like she was strong. Uh, She was grinding and she had opened up a pretty sizable gap on second place, which I think was uh, eventually became Alice Tetrick. And then uh, I saw her at mile 125. So I will admit, like covering covering the event as a solo person is kind of challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think, you know, this Uh, I think it's a point of pride for both of our publications that we try to cover women's racing equally um and so it it, it definitely created a, a challenge and so i was like oh, i gotta get gotta get more pictures of olivia she's crushing but at the same time you know the men were as we mentioned like they were really far ahead oh it's- and the last thing you want to do is miss a finish line
0: <laughs> no it, it's the same thing that i struggle with all of these epic ride races and it's it's really it's probably the most stressful thing that i have to tend to within these races where i am you know relying on somebody to drive me to these different spots and even even more than i mean it all turns out to be the same because it's such a longer race that you're dealing with but the women start 10 minutes after the men yeah so by the time you get to like the first spot like the first aid station there can be a 20-25 minute gap between the leaders of the men's race and the leaders of the women's race and then if you're waiting for anybody after that it becomes really dicey after like the second time you stop that you're you're absolutely right it's like you have to be there at the finish you know for me if i you know i'm working for a specific team and if if they end up winning and i'm not there to get that photo that's you know they're basically just going to hire somebody else so it's you know yeah that's yes, but that that definitely. I mean, I like that these are these mass starts and it's all equal and everybody works starts together. But at the same time, you're right; it it does make it a huge issue in trying to cover it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it it tears me up because, like I said, like the women's race was so exciting, and then so much happened after I was like trying to book it back to Emporia. Mm-hmm. Um, but fortunately, I. We were able to to hear them tell the story, so that's good, so Olivia, I mean, she had a massive lead, like Olivia Dillon was gonna win that race, I think um she flatted, and so Allison passed her and then Amity passed her uh and then you know, uh going down the road, maybe about twenty twenty five miles out, Amity passed Allison. Uh, it was really funny to hear her. Like, Amity's like maybe five feet tall, <laughs> and you know, Allison is a former uh, pro roadie, uh, so the course definitely suits Allison's skill set. But Amity was like, "Look, anytime I found anything that resembled an incline, I went for it." Uh, and so, you know, she passed Allison and was just like on the gas, and she ended up winning by quite a bit. Allison admitted she kind of popped at the end. She was talking, she was confusing street signs for people and mailboxes mm. for people. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i mean amity got the lead uh, and then uh, it was an impressive comeback i mean uh you know they say slow and steady wins the race but like to say that she was slow is definitely a misnomer because yeah she was quite fast and you know she was she didn't flat like i really think in a lot of ways her winning came down to not flatting and after last year she had like a ton of flats and mechanicals and just a miserable experience so maybe she deserved it you know or maybe the the balance of the Kansas universe balances out over the long term
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so to put it in perspective for people she finished 25th overall 16.79 miles per hour and uh just under 12 hours so that's a that's a killer ride
1: yeah, yeah, I think she was close to to what uh, Katie Keo did last year, and Katie was like, Katie was smashing, yeah, last year. So I think it was a very similar ride. I think what's interesting about about Amity is she's from NorCal, um, she loves, she's a ripper, and so she was like super torn uh, with Lost and Found oh, going sure, on. Sure, sure. And after the race, I'm like, you've got to be coming back, right? She's like, Yeah, I don't know. You're gonna have to talk me out of Lost and Found. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So um but yeah, no, she's awesome. I met her at Gravel Worlds last year. Like she's super fun, someone who has a really bright future uh in front of her and she's someone that on social or whatever, if you don't know her, you should get to know uh Amity. Uh she's awesome. Like really, really cool person. So
0: very cool. So Amity winning at Allison, hanging on despite her conversing with mailboxes. Um yep. and tilting tilting at uh windmills. Uh <laughs> For second, and then Sarah Max coming in third. Kai Takashita in fourth. Olivia Dillon fifth, and then Amanda Nauman in sixth, followed by Amy Charity, who uh, held on for seventh.
1: Yeah, and I talked to her kind of like team director for the weekend. She said she flatted eight times. Holy cow. (laughs) So, well, I said it in, uh, in the first episode, man, the flats just play such a huge role yeah. in, in dirty Kansas. Um, and I've said this, I, I guess before privately, but you know, as a journalist, uh, tire companies like to talk to you and, you know, talk about how, uh, you know, how their tires are going to perform or whatever. And I was just like, if I was a tire company, I would not, I would just be like, uh, here's the generic proto. Like this has no labels on it. Uh, don't talk about it. My tires. Cause like, you're going to flat, you're going to flat. Mm-hmm. You're going to flat no matter what you're riding. Um, and, you know, I guess maybe that's a, a room for, like, a big business opportunity. If you can develop an unflattable light tire for DK, you could be rich. Yeah. Because yeah. you're going to flat. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. So uh, it was interesting. That's uh, a great, great performance. That sounded like an exciting, gosh, especially with all those flats, an exciting, exciting race for sure. Uh, I, I want somebody to uh, email us at feedback at cx or you can just yell at me on twitter and uh it, it, i, I want to know why lost and found and, and dK are on the same date and if there's any way of getting getting them on different dates because I think i think yeah. I think both would benefit i feel like and you know, would just no, i think' There aren't, there aren't that many, there aren't that many like of these big races and to have two of them on the same date is kind of, kind of, kind of sad. Um, yeah, so I I guess the only other, you know, created controversy that came up again, you know, the, the shit being stirred by Kabush was the podiums. That, so you were saying this happened the next morning was the official podium presentation.
1: It was at eight a.m. eight a.m. On mm. Sunday morning.
0: Okay, and I guess what what happened or what the optics were is uh, that they 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 have a basically a top five presentation informal presentation at the end of the race. Those are the pictures that you saw, especially with the men with uh um uh yeah Colin uh, dabbing for some reason, still in 2019. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, we got the photos of them. But then there is the official with the podium standing on the steps that happens the next day at 8 a.m. All all five of the women top five showed up for the elite, elite category, but none of the men did, which, I mean, just from an optics standpoint, didn't look good. And it looked like it was, you know pros being um being standoffish and not embracing the community or at least that's the story that that twitter wanted to write on on this and uh, i think a lot of them chimed in especially the the ef guys that were like well we were flying back to europe and and they told us that it was optional and they didn't have to go and what's what's your take on this i have uh, my but i'm gonna let you start oh man but you um, want me to go first i will well no i'll go first <laughs>
1: uh, i skipped i skipped the podium presentation i woke up at 8:30, and yeah. i still felt like i was run over by a truck
0: and and, and you didn't even uh ride 200 miles yeah on a bike.
1: i mean um, I mean, I get it. I know that the EF guys, they had planned their flights, uh, having not done the event. I'm guessing that if you've podium before, like, you know, when the podium is. And so you might make those plans. Um, and I know some of the other riders chimed in, like, I guess Payson McIlvain went to his age group podium, right? but then they didn't have the, uh, he had to get on the road. Um, but yeah, I think optics wise, I know they did a podium on Saturday at the event, both the men and women did kind of like an informal one. Uh, so it did happen. Uh, but like you said, I think the, the optics, uh, were bad and I guess I'm a terrible person too. Cause I, I slept in and didn't <laughs>
0: and go. Does, that's the type of thing, you know, unlike the finish where you don't really want to rely on somebody else. I think that, uh, somebody's going to take that photo. So you, you, that's fair. You, you'd be okay. <laughs> okay. And we both know from <clears throat> covering way too many races that podium photos are the most boring photos out there, worst ones. Uh, You're not wrong. <laughs> here, here is here is my kind of take on this. I I think it is th- there is a responsibility on both sides of this, <clears throat> and and I actually put the greater responsibility. On the race organizer, and we talked about how this this race and this event has grown, and it has professional sponsor, and they do a, such a great job for everyone. And then you also, I think that that is a little bit banging heads with is, hey man, we're just out here to have fun and the spirit of gravel and all that kind of stuff, and we don't want to put too many constraints and rules and stuff on people. If you're at a point where you're having professional racers show up, and you want to have a podium presentation, you cannot use the word "optional." You That's just fair. can't do it because I've and and I understand if you understand the culture, you should have been there and all that kind of stuff. But I also understand, and this goes, you know, we all have jobs. This is their guy's jobs. I've spent enough time around professional athletes and especially professional cyclists. And to a T, if you tell them they have to do something, they will do it. Mm -hmm. They may not be happy about it, but they will do it. If you told them, if you're coming to this event, you need to be at that podium. If you're on it at 8 a.m. the next morning and you just figure out your travel plans around that, they would have done it. But if you say it's optional, then they're going to say, hey, this is saving me, you know, my team $1,000. This gets me to here where I can move on to my next thing. And awesome, I'm glad that this is something I don't, I'm not required to be at. They're not going to go. So if you want them there, say they have to be there. And that's it. End it. It ends it. You know, don't make it vague.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think one thing to me that has been, you know, last year we had uh, many of a controversy go on. It was talked about, you know, it seems like some of this stuff is kind of the quote unquote growing pains of gravel, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, with these new situations, it arises, uh, some stuff happens. But yeah, you can guarantee that if the world tour teams come to DK next year, like they will make contingencies, they'll plan their flights around the podium. Right. Like, yeah. I don't think this will happen again.
0: No, no.
1: So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. I think there's just so many things that, that come up. And I think in the social media age do look bad. Um, I think we and we've talked about this before since we're on. Sometimes you have access to them or you kind of see the behind the scenes. You kind of know why things are happening, uh, but they can look really bad. Yeah. Uh, right. And we've seen that we see this in Cross and, and other stuff like that. Like we'll talk to each other and be like, "Well, this is this is what happened," <laughs> right? Um, but, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah.
0: All right. So so we are coming up right on an hour, and we still haven't gotten to our power rankings. Uh oh. I know. Which is, I mean, what do we do? Do we uh, do we get into it now, or do we um, have this as our dk episode and 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 move on we're gonna have we're gonna have our little uh pre pre-show meeting right now here an hour in
1: while we're on that while we're recording while we're recording and, no, and potentially we're not, on the podcast we're not editing well, this out so what if we what if we <laughs> what if we recorded a separate power
0: ranking episode i think that that's kind of what i'm leaning towards i think we i like that. Do that i think
1: is a good podcast time
0: yeah hey you know what zach even ah. though we are only in our second episode and we're uh, still located in the parts bin, yep, we got a sponsor. What? Yeah. No way. Yeah, it's a wide-angle podium sponsor. But I was like, hey, we already got some good, some good, some good traction on, on episode one, so we'll be, you know, we're happy to plug whoop in here in the uh, yep. in the Grodio. Tell me more. I think it was the perfect opportunity for for people yeah. in the in the in the in the gravel world. Whoop is a, a performance tool that's changing the way people track their fitness and op- optimize their training. So it's it's basically like you know your other performance trackers that you see. It's a it's a wrist worn heart rate monitor that pairs to an app and and then it not only covers your training but also your recovery the strain that's putting on your body it, it tracks your sleep and it lets you know when your body's recovered or or when it needs rest or you know all of the it's 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 basically just keeping a watch on everything that you're doing and making sure that you can perform at your best and you know the times that you can perform at your best and how your sleep quality which is very important and making sure that you're getting all all of that in there and uh they're giving us a discount so that's 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 the most important thing if you use the discount code wap you can get 15 percent off of 12 a 12 or 18th month membership from whoop that's w-h-o-o-p uh, and you can go to their website holy cow they need to list their website on here, Zach. That's, that's the toughest thing with this copy. I need the website. Come on, Whoop. I'm going to guess Whoop.com. Whoop? Is it Whoop.com? And we're going to go there and check it out.
1: <laughs> we're both this looking right now. This is the, like this right is the parts
0: bin version of this. Yeah, hey, go to Whoop.com. Sign up. Awesome. That works well. Use the code WAP. Get a discount. All right. This has been Grodio. Episode number two. I like it, man. I think we're doing it. I think it's gonna awesome. it's gonna be much like Dirty Kanza. We're just gonna we are gonna look forward to our growing pains in this. Yes, in this show, <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> and uh, oh, and look, we can already have a te- so. Okay, all of those things, all that where we said that uh, Amanda Nama is going to be on episode three. We're put. She's already getting bumped. We're such a popular show, we're already bumping guests. She's going to be episode four because we're going to do our power rankings next.
1: I think Amanda will be okay with it. The I, panda is, is very easygoing. So I'm, I'm, I'm confident. I'm confident that she'll be okay with that.
0: I, I am confident. And I think this will give her an opportunity to hear what the power rankings have to offer. And she will not be shy in weighing in on everything that I'm going to say we, but I'm pointing my finger at you, Zach, got wrong. I'm okay with that. Awesome. Good talking to you.
1: You too, Bill.